probably wondering why I brought my trumpet up with me today. Um, so I'm talking about trumpets. Um, a couple of Sundays ago, we had three trumpets in the band, which is pretty unusual. And Simon was leading choruses, he commented on it, and uh, we sang, when I hear the trumpet call, I think it was. And he spoke about how we have three trumpets on our logo, the Revival Fellowship logo, and it got me thinking, I thought, well, what does the Bible have to say about trumpets? Turns out it has a lot to say about trumpets. I'm not going to tell you everything. I'll just focus on a few, few bits and pieces today. Um, but I'll sort of take us back and give us a little bit of very brief, hopefully, history about trumpets just in general. So trumpets were originally made out of horns of animals, like rams, horns, and things like that. Um, and then as technology improved, they ended up making trumpets out of metal. But they weren't trumpets. They didn't look like this. They're more long, straight instruments. And you notice this trumpet here has buttons or valves, as you call them. They were these valves only came around 200 years ago. Prior to that, there was no valves on a trumpet. And so to play a trumpet, you've got to move some air. It's called an aerophone. Air meaning movement of air. Phone meaning sound. You do that by buzzing your lips. Got a mouthpiece here. When you put it into the trumpet, you get a sound. The earliest trumpets, that's all. You can change the pitch of the sound by changing how fast your lips buzz. That's how kind of how trumpets work. Um, so they were originally used for signalling in things like battles, for hunting and religious, religious events. They've been known for about 4,000 years. The earliest recorded or found evidence of trumpet is from about 2000 BC. Um, they actually had trumpet playing contests as part of the original Greek Olympic Games. I thought it was pretty good. I think it should be pulled back in the Olympics. Um, so the early, early trumpets were limited just to what we call the harmonic series, which is what I played there. Just notes you can get by increasing the buzzing of your lips. And you can play lots of tunes. Oh, maybe. Probably a topical song for today. But that was pretty much the extent of them. It was only in the last 200 years or so where we got vowels like this. It allows a lot more flexibility to play really popular tunes like... Those who have power in the Tijuana brass, we know that one. So, that's a little bit about trumpets. Um, what about trumpets in the Bible? Well, again, as I said, there's a lot in the Bible about trumpets. Again, they were often used for signalling. Um, the two main types of trumpets in the Bible was one called the shofar, which was the ram's horn, and also metal trumpets that the priests tended to play. So, in a number of places it talks about, in, in the numbers it talks about, the trumpet will be blown when they need to call an assembly. Everyone's, because trumpets are not a very soft instrument, they're actually quite loud, you noticed. They can be heard a long way away, so it will be played so that the, the um, 
not so much congregation, but people of Israel could come to an assembly when they needed to be told something. We read about the trumpet being played on specific holy days. So there's a feast of trumpets um, that's spoken about in Leviticus 23. And actually on the Jubilee, Jubilee was every 50 years, there was a Jubilee when um, the slave people who had been made slaves or servants were set free and released, among other things. The trumpet was, was played to herald or bring in the Jubilee. Again, we read about trumpets being played during war. We think about Jericho. Joshua and the people of the Israelites were told to march around Jericho. Seven days, the priest had to play the trumpet. On the seventh day, they had to walk around seven times at the last of the trumpet. The walls fell down, we read about. We read about Gideon, when he uh, whittled the people down to 300 people to fight this massive army. How did they fight them? Well, with the power of the Lord, they blew the trumpet. It talks about 300 trumpets playing at the same time. It's very, very loud. Probably would have scared. They're thinking, there's 300 trumpets here. How many troops are here? <laughs> They're probably getting really scared. We read about it was used at the anointing of kings. For example, King Solomon, when he was, when King David died, the trumpets were blown and King Solomon was anointed or announced as a king. Uh, Joash is another example of a king who was announced with the sounding of a trumpet. In First Chronicles, we read about when David was returning or taking the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, it was preceded by the priests who were playing the trumpet. And in Ezekiel, we read about the watchman looking for the enemy coming and needs to play the trumpet as a sound of an alarm. Uh, it wasn't just used for that, it was also used for music. In Psalms 98, it says, With trumpets and sound of corner make a joyful noise before the Lord, the King. Probably the other main place the trumpet is spoken about is it's used a lot when it's talking about the presence of God. So some examples of that is when Moses received the law. We read that Moses was on the mountain with thunderings and lightnings and the voice of the trumpet. God's presence was there. We read in the book of Revelation that Jesus, John writes, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I'm Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. This is the voice of Jesus. And of course we know the Lord's return talks about when the trumpet sounds, the Lord shall return. So that's just a summary, just a brief summary of where the trumpets are spoken about in the Bible. I want to talk about, in the all time remaining, um, three, three different aspects of that. Um, trumpets used in war, trumpets used for sounding of alarm, and trumpets used for anointing kings. So, if you've got your Bible with you, and I'll open up to Revelation chapter 8. Trumpets for war. Okay, we're just going to read this and then I'll probably spend a good amount of time trying to explain it. It's a little bit difficult to follow if you don't know too much background on this. Revelation 8, verse 1. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. We jump down to verse 6. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded, 
and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth, and the third part of trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. And the second angel sounded, and as it were, a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea, and the third part of the sea became blood. And the third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died, and the third part of the ships were destroyed. And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers, and upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood, and the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars, so as the third part of them were darkened. And the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. I'll just leave that there. Okay, so we read that, and probably most of us, if you haven't done any study in Revelation, I've got no idea what that's looking at. Probably, probably a lot of us here would be in that boat, I'd say. I certainly was a number of years ago before I some real dedicated research to Revelation. So I want to maybe talk a little bit about this. What does this mean? Why am I talking? Why am I reading this when I'm talking about trumpets of war? Okay, so first of all, I also want to talk a little bit about the symbols that are used here, and I'm not. I'll, maybe I'll make a disclaimer. I'm not going to cover every single symbol because we will be here way longer than I should be here. But I cover that. I'm just going to come up with a brief summary of some of the symbols here to help us understand how we might interpret what this is talking about. So some of the symbols here are talk uh, are real. Um, indicators that's talking about warfare. The first thing is probably trumpets. So you know trumpets were key. The fact that they're blowing trumpets, trumpets were often played in battles, um, before battles, during battles, right throughout battles. So that's one aspect. This, some of the other things that it talks about here that makes us um, think this may be talking about warfare, we get some things here talk about hail and fire mingled with blood. We talk about the sea coming blood. We read about many men dying. They're not really nice things to think about, really, are they? But they're very much tied up with warfare. You've got trumpets blowing, you've got men dying, you've got blood. So that's a us indication that these trumpets here are sounding in relation to warfare of some sort. Then we get some sort of indication around maybe the location of the warfare. So, for example, the first trumpet, it talks about earth, trees, and grass set on fire. And that maybe gives some indication that this battle was a land battle, something happening on the land, um, on the earth. The second trumpet it talks about sea and ships. Maybe gives some indication that this battle was going to be happening in the ocean, a sea battle, a um, naval battle. The third trumpet talks about rivers and fountains of waters. And this might be given us some thought that this is warfare that's going to somehow involve river systems. Whatever that means. Um, and some of the other symbols in here, particularly in relation to the fourth trumpet, it also talks about maybe who will be impacted by these. So the fourth trumpet talks about the sun, the moon, and the stars. Now, in Bible prophecy, and not just in Revelation, but in many, many other places, when it talks about the sun, the moon, and the stars, that's quite often talking about 
governments, rulers, kings. So when we read here this, these first four trumpets, we get an indicator that probably talking about some sort of warfare, maybe different types of battles happening, some on the land, some in the sea, some using rivers, and that these are going to impact the ruling uh, people and governments of the time. Okay, so that's a little bit of a summary there. So let's have a, I guess to understand more powers, what is the actual fulfilment of that, we need to sort of get a bit more context about what this passage is talking about. So, I'm just going to look at a little bit of context. Firstly, is this an event that happened in the past? Is this an event that happened in, is going to happen in the future? Or is that an event that's happening now? What is this talking about? There's different ways we can look at that. There's also different interpretations of the book of Re- Revelation, key interpretations. One interpretation, the preterist looks at, basically says everything happened in the past. Everything that speaks about Revelation has happened by 70 AD. There's another one, the futurist, that says everything's going to happen in the future, immediately before the Lord returns. There's another interpretation that says all of these things are happening all the time, they're spiritual analogies. It's called the idealist interpretation. And then the final one, the historicist interpretation, says all of these things will be fulfilled over history progressively. And that's the interpretation that our fellowship follows. Um, it was the primary interpretation of the Revelation of the Protestants for three, four hundred years. Um, futurist is probably the most common interpretation. So, did it happen in the past or, or what? Well, from the point of view of the writer of Revelation, it happened in the future, but from the point of view for us, it happened in the past. So, Revelation, so who wrote Revelation? Well, the Apostle John, he wrote about 96 AD, and he was a prisoner at the time. And when you look at the book of Revelation, try to understand why on earth would this big, would this book be written? And there's probably two key things that would explain why Revelation was written. One of them is, is God is declaring his judgment on those people who oppose him and those people who oppress his people. Very much that's what Revelation is about. God's judgment against those who oppose him and his people. The second part of Revelation is, a, is around providing comfort to God's people who are being oppressed. He's saying to them, I, I know what's going to happen. I know you're going to be impacted. Some of you are going to die. Some of you are going to be tortured. Some of you are going to be have all sorts of persecution. Despite that, I have a plan, and you have an eternal and glorious future. And that's part of the reason Revelation is written. So the book of Revelation uh, doesn't just sit in isolation. Uh, so it's not just a book that doesn't make sense. Um, or makes sense by itself. It needs to be makes sense in relation to other prophecies in the Bible, uh, especially the book of Daniel. So we'll take a step back. Why do I say the book of Daniel? The book of Daniel was written about 600 years before the Revelation was written. It was written by a man called Daniel. He was living at a time when the Babylonians were the ruling empire. And he had a number of visions prophecies. And one of those key visions he had was one um, <coughs> King Nebuchadnezzar, the, the king of Babylon. When Nebuchadnezzar had his vision of this statue with a golden head, silver sort of breast, 
uh, the bronze sort of waist and iron legs. There's more than that, but I won't go into it all. And what that vision talks about is four successive kingdoms. The first one being Babylonian, the kingdom that Daniel was living in, and then three other kingdoms. The Medo-Persian kingdom, who came after the Babylonians, then the Greek kingdom, who came after them, and finally the Roman kingdom, which is the kingdom that was around when the Revelation was written. So, in the end of Daniel, he's told this really interesting thing in Daniel 12, it says, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. And you may remember if you didn't fall asleep, I gave a talk about the Greeks recently, and there's some really detailed prophecies about the Greek Empire there. But there's also detailed prophecies about the Babylonian, and detailed prophecies about the Medo-Persian. But Daniel doesn't provide detailed prophecies about the Roman kingdom. They're very light and detailed. But as he gets to the Roman Empire, he's told, shut up the prophecies. Seal them up. When we get to the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation is primarily, primarily dealing with the Roman Empire. That bit that Daniel wasn't meant to prophesy yet. So, and it's interesting... The book of Revelation contains, it starts off the prophecy, it with seven seals. It's almost like the seal that was, the prophecies that were sealed up by Daniel, they're now ready to be opened. The seven seals were opened, and the prophecies about the Roman Empire are later spoken about. So, Revelation contains three lots of sevens, or uh, well, more than three, but in particular, seven seals, followed by seven trumpets and seven vials or seven bowls. And each of these series of seven will cover successive periods of time or aspects of the Roman Empire. So the seven seals, which is the first lot, they include prophecies that cover the Roman Empire from the time that Revelation was written, in about 1896, up until the fall of the pagan empire, when Christianity was made the official religion of the Roman Empire under Constantine. Constantine made it legal. Uh, it was made official um, a few decades later. So the first seven seals cover that period, up to around about 325 AD. Now that was a lot of explanation to get to my point. So, what is my point? <laughs> my point is, we just read Revelation 8. We read about warfare, warfare that was happening in the land, warfare that was going to happen in the sea, warfare that was going to happen in rivers, and the ruling nation, uh, rulers and kings um, being impacted. So all of that context sets us up as, when did this occur? So this occurred after that first seven seals. So that occurred sometime after 325 AD. So if you get your history books out, you can start understanding what this is talking about and then actually seeing this all lines up. So these first four trumpets, which I'll hopefully cover fairly briefly now, uh, they specifically contain prophecies about what is called the barbarian Invasion of the barbarian destruction of the old Western Roman Empire. So, for example, the first trumpet, which we read about in verse 7, that one spoke about land battles. And if we look at our history books, we can see that from about 400 to 410 AD, there was uh, the barbarian invasion by the Goths. 
I've heard of lots. Great pastoral prophets. We'll see them in there. Um, particularly under a, a ruler called Alaric, Alaric the Goth, he basically went through and destroyed Italy and besieged Rome three times um, between 408 and 410 AD. And the ancient sources, um, as, as quoted by a historian called Gibbons, if they talk about during this, there was a burning of trees and vegetation as the armies moved across the land, very much as the imagery speaks about, about that first trumpet. Then we get to the second trumpet, which we read about in verse 8. And remember, this one is talking about sea and ships. So this one, maybe is this talking about sea battles? Well, what happened next? Well, in about 439 AD, another group of barbarians called the Vandals, they took a, a city called uh, Carthage, which is in North Africa, and from there they launched their ships across the Mediterranean to Rome. And on the way, they burnt the Roman Navy at sea. So we read again, the imagery spoken about here in the set trumpet is very much backed up by the history. In 455, Rome was sacked by the Vandals. Some of you may have heard of the English author H.G. Wells, present from interesting science fiction stuff hundreds of years ago. And he also wrote a lot of other stuff called science and history. Uh, he's very well regarded. And he wrote of this time, this time, he said, the Vandals of the south of Spain under their king, Gensry, embarked on mass for North Africa, became masters of Carthage, secured the mastery of the sea, raided, captured, pillaged Rome. So we're hearing about these sea battles and against the Roman Empire. We get to the third trumpet. In here we read about the rivers and the springs of water, or fountains of water, and we thought maybe that may be a reference to river systems. What was happening about this time? This is someone you've probably heard, Attila the Hun. We've heard of Attila the Hun, probably all heard that name, haven't we? I don't know much about him apart from his name until just recently. But Attila the Hun was a <laughs> and they're from sort of the German, uh, mainly from Germany, uh, and they moved down from the north using the Danube and its tributaries, and they attacked the west and the eastern Roman Empire. Um, and we read that in 452, Attila invaded Italy and sacked several cities there, and they were renowned for their severity. The Huns, particularly the children of the Huns. So you read these three trumpets and they sort of line up with history. You really see this is lining up really well. We get to the fourth trumpet, which talks about the sun and the moon and the stars. And this is kind of the culmination of all of these events ended up in 476, the Western Roman Empire fell. It ceased to exist as the Roman Empire. Uh, that was at the hand of a barbarian chief, cruelly called Adesa. And finally, in 558 AD, the last remaining part of the old uh, empire, the Roman Senate was dissolved. So you can see here, the prophecies laid out are so clear and when you lay them against history, but you need a bit of context, obviously, to get there. It took me a while to get there. We got there. The trumpets of war. What, what does this show us? It shows us that God knows the end from the beginning, shows us that God has a plan, shows us that God is, he's got something 
useful for us. We don't have to be worried. Even wars happen because a lot of people worry about it. The wars are going on around the place. I'm going to get the stats on it when I run out of time. Go to Ezekiel 33. So the trumpets were sounding alarm. Okay, Ezekiel 33, verse 1. Again the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people, and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast and set him for their watchman, and when he sees the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, that whosoever hears the sound of the trumpet takes not warning, if the sword come, take him away, his blood shall be on his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning, his blood shall be upon him. But he that takes warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman see the sword coming, and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away, his iniquity, but his blood will require a watchman's hand. So thou, son of man, I set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel, therefore thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou dost, dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood will I require a thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way, to turn from it, and do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast to live thy soul. Pretty sobering scriptures when you think about it. And it's written to Ezekiel, he had a message he had to share with the people at the time. And he, was, and he was told that if you don't share this, their blood, I'm going to require that from you. But if you do share it and they don't listen, well, that's their, their problem. But it's really clear. Uh, same thing applies to us, doesn't it? Really clear that we are the watchmen in this time. That we are those looking out for the, the signs of the times, looking out for, for what's coming, and having to tell people, share people, with people, but what is happening in the way out of that? We know Jesus spoke about the signs. We read about them in Matthew 24, Matthew 21, uh, sorry, Luke 21. We read in Revelation that we're writing cover but you go through the seven seals, the seven trumpets, the seven vials. Straight up the vials come to the end, the great battle and return of the Lord. We're at the seventh vial right now. That's where we're sitting in the scheme of the, the Revelation. We know the signs of the times. We can see them coming. The Lord requires us to warn people. And it's sobering. Talk for us. That is what we need to do. We just need to tell people. We don't need to force them. We just need to tell them. Because the Lord requires it. It's up to them what they do with it. Um, so we need to all be trump players. Sound the alarm. Tell people what's coming. Final one, Matthew 24. Okay, this is the trumpet for anointing kings. Matthew 24 and verse 30. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribe of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Here he is, the Lord's return. Jesus Christ is coming in the clouds. And what do we see? 
and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. So here's the last trumpet, trumpet anointing the king. This isn't just any king. This is the king of kings. This is the Lord of lords. This is the trumpet and heralding that Jesus is coming to set up his kingdom. We didn't talk about it, but Daniel also spoke about a stone kingdom that was part of that vision. Jesus Christ is that stone kingdom that's going to come to this earth and grow and grow and fill the entire world. And this is what it's talking about. When Jesus returns, this stone kingdom is coming and will be heralded through by trumpets that the king is here. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day. How good is that going to be? Thank <laughs> you.